what? Rotation, rotation, rotation. Could yesterday be the mother of all rotations? Make it cap down, right? The market has to go down. No, they're buying everything else. They're selling something and they're buying. But what are they buying? We're going to discuss that today. We're going to do Oracle, only major earnings report. Oracle in the red. J.R. Romero, T3 Trading, runs their virtual trading floor. He'll join us at 8.35. Jam-packed show with A.B. in the driver's seat. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Starting out in the green here ahead of the CPI number, up five and a half handles at 46.84. Buck peeling back from those multiple highs, just about 104, down 37 cents at 103.69. Bonds up almost three quarters of a point here, 119 and 23, 30 seconds. Crude just being sneaky down here in the lower 70 handle, down 44 cents at 70.88. Gold catches a bit after dipping under 2K. Up ten bucks, two thousand three, two thousand and three dollars and Silver in the twenty-three handle, up twenty-five cents at twenty-three thirty. And Bitcoin having a good day, up a thousand and ninety dollars at forty-two thousand one hundred and twenty-five. Gonna bring on Triple D here and Triple D rotation, rotation, rotation. Good thing or, rotation. Good thing or bad thing. Oh, it's a good thing for bull markets because you'd think with all the mega tech, mega tech cap, the Magnificent Seven all red on the day, you'd think, oh, man, it's going to be a bloodbath in the markets. Nope. They shrugged her off. IWM ripping. Spy ripping. They buy everything else. So this is the way this market stays alive. It's rotation. I mean, when you have something, other things picking up the slack. It's like a good sports team, Joel. You know, when you're when, when you've got, you know, your wide or when you've got you know certain players not doing well hockey analogy defensive game's not good you pick up the slack goaltender's got to step up so that's what it is and this market continues to find life everywhere here right now so good news for both okay we got a lot of stocks to cover remember the seasonality folks remember the seasonality we've been calling this next two to three weeks very strong seasonally here Let's see what happens. CPI today, though. So that oh, yeah. Now that can change it. Us- dips will probably get bought. Folks, have your dip buying shoes on. If you see a significant dip, probably get scooped up again. That's what Goldman Sachs said. Oh, they came out with their big uh, uh, announcement that repricing of rates by the dip. Well, holy mackerel, not selling the rep. But uh, let's bring in AB. AB, how you doing? Uh, getting up uh, early two mornings in a row. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Joel. We had to uh, switch into the other room real quick because the mic wasn't working outside. But oh, that's a quick switch. Oh, wow. Holy fast market for AB. He looks yeah. good, though. Yeah. Do you, do you still have uh, 
you have all your material there to uh, to lead us? Yeah, I brought my laptop in here, so we just had to do a quick little switcheroo. We we, we Holy, that was fast. Quick. It was like four minutes ago. He's in the other room, and then boom, he's in another studio, ready to rock. This guy can switch on the fly, man. Yeah, have to. <laughs> Jaw, baby. I appreciate it. Um, well, yeah. So so fill me in real quick, Joel, on on the biggest news since uh, we we were here uh, yesterday. Yeah, uh, I guess um, now we're only on till nine, and that's a little bit of a, a disadvantage. Uh, but big seller balances now. Uh, you know, Christian Fromherz and uh, Red Dog uh, pointing out that the, somehow there's been some changes and some rules, and uh, as far as um, you know, uh, holdings and everything. So boom, these guys just hit the sell button. And off the, I mean, NVIDIA was up, that ended down. I mean, it was just a massacre. But, and I, like, I texted Dennis, I'm like, Dennis, what is going on? Because I'm so SP centric. And Dennis, why don't you talk? I mean, let's just talk about a couple of these stocks Snap and Gap and Pins and Etsy. We, we have moved now from obviously the Magnificent Seven leading the charge. And, you know, that was the bulk of the rally. We know if we knocked out the Magnificent Seven back at the end of October. Um, the equal weighted S&P was actually down on the year in October, if we look. But RSP is the best way to track that. That is not the case here anymore. You have had everything pick up the slack. And you have had RSP, which is the equal weight S&P, which is a better feel for the overall market, go from 133 to 151. It's been a very incredible run in November. It does continue into December. But you've got all the dogs barking here now. And I want to use the gap as the best example. And this is the dog of all dogs. I mean, this dog will lie down and die again. Do not kid yourself. The gap has just been, you know, a long-term disappointment for a lot of shareholders here. But right now, dogs are barking, squeezing shorts, doing all the fun things that the Reddit boards love. Um, stock from $10 to $22 here now. That earnings report was not blowing it away. It was just good enough, good enough, and good enough to squeeze the shorts. So that continues here. But what you are seeing under the hood, if you really look, is smart money. And what I mean by smart money is the founder's son, GPS, <laughs> dumping 1.5 million shares yesterday. So John Fisher, I believe that, I believe, and again, um, I believe that's his founder's son. I should look into that before I say it. Uh, 1.5 million shares selling yesterday. So uh, that was a cool 35%, I believe, of his holdings. So wow. smart money saying, thank you for the gift, Mr. Market. Thank you for the gift, retail traders tracing all this. I will gladly sell 1.5 million shares into you. Nobody cares. It's a bull market, so they don't sell the stocks off. If they bought 1.5 million stock, we have 10%. But if he sells 1.5 million stock, goes down zero. Welcome to bull markets. Yeah, we don't put a huge emphasis on uh, insider sale, you know, a lot like from the big boys, like from Gates yeah. or Zuckerberg. He might just be like, buying some stuff, you know. So. Yeah, a yacht, like his $500 million yacht that uh, Pizos has uh, down in Florida. Some, but for that, um, I'm not going to try and call top in this one. I mean, it's an insider sell. They sell into strength, 22 bucks. Uh It was your high or just about your high from yesterday. Nothing on the monthlies here. The best monthly uh, levels or weekly levels I could give you are, are going back to 2021. And just because there's three in a row, I'll give you those, those three monthly highs. It's called 25 bucks. I'm not saying it's going there. I'm just saying that's where the next weekly and monthly resistance is. So I, I will say, and just to continue this point, is normally I ignore all insider sales too. But it's had such a run. 
it's been, you know, I just think like we can say, yeah, he needed $33 million or whatever, maybe want to go buy a new mansion or something, but that's a lot. That's a huge sale. So well, I note it. Um, so I don't know if the market's going to pay attention to it or not here. They haven't paid attention here yet, but it's interesting that you've had the stock run up this far and now, you know, they're coming in with their huge selling shoes on. So I think when stocks have had it and when especially companies that have very much disappointed, perennial disappointers, have huge 100% moves and then you see huge insider sales. As, and I did verify that is the youngest of, uh, the, of the Gap family sons, John Fisher selling. I think you have to note it. So I have no position on it at this time, but keeping an eye on that one today. Yeah, Dennis, I was going to say, I, I fact-checked that for you. He is the the son of the Gap founders and also the owner of the Oakland Athletics. So if he would have sold you know, $700 million worth of shares, then maybe he could have gone out and got Shohei Otani, but I don't know if he had that <laughs> much type of money. So that can't be what he was he was selling for. So I don't know what it was. Um, but real quick, I mean, you know, we, we've, we've talked about the mega caps and these big tech stocks leading for really, I mean, years now, if this, you know, how can we tell if this rotation into smaller stocks is, is just like a short term thing or if, Hey, now the Russell can really get going and maybe small caps is somewhere we should actually look at going into 2024. It's usually when the dogs are barking, that signifies, you know, that to more towards the end of the bull run as opposed to the beginning. But again, with seasonality lining up here, I'm not getting bearish until the calendar turns. 2024, I think, is going to be a completely different story here. But we set up. We were talking. I was talking about this before I went on my trip. I'm like, December sets up well. I've, you know, I have some shorts, some hedging shorts on, but no positional shorts on here right now. So not betting on the short side on this market whatsoever. Um, that's going to change for me when the calendar turns in 2024, but just with seasonality playing into fact, I think, I think if you're shorting now, all these stocks, you may be a little bit early, but it's been an impressive run. Like it's not just the gap. Like you were talking snap SNAP that stocks up 50% in a month. Um, Pinterest has really moved, but it's been one of the better ones. I mean, there's just so many you can go and then you can go into the dogs. Like the Coles is starting to bark because of Macy's and Nordstrom is starting to show some life. There's just. You know, there's just buying across the board here now, and that's more, I feel like, the chasing of it. I feel like the market is now chasing here a bit, and usually the chasers end up, you know, and and it ends in tears usually for the chasers. Oh, seven hundred million for a player that's having his second elbow surgery. Did you know Where that? Where we're at, Joel, it's a bull market. You can pay, you can pay players huge amounts of money too, because these. <laughs> Founders are making Jeez. all this money on their stocks. Well, wait, did you guys see the structure of his contract though? That he's only getting he's only going to be getting two million dollars a year. And then after his 10-year contract or nine years, whatever it is, then he's going to get the rest of the 700 million. So some people are speculating that <clears throat> he's not going to be in California by the time it's time for them to pay him and he won't have to pay the taxes. I don't know how all that works, but either way. From an investment standpoint, like all of us would think that's super silly to defer all that money later. I on. would, right? Because you're 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 basically betting against inflation to say, okay, I'm going to take that 700 million in 10 years. That could be worth a lot less. But on the other flip side, you know, it allows the team to go out and get better players. It, you know, and, and he's probably never going to have to worry about money anyway. But either way, it, it seems like a, a silly kind of money move to to defer that money to later on. All right, let's uh, let's get into the well. Bring back the stocks here. Yeah, obviously we started talking about the rotations. We talked in the laggards, but we didn't talk about those leaders. And the Magnificent Seven did have a tough day yesterday. 
Um, all seven down. You rarely see that when the S P yeah. is trading higher. But Apple, weak. You know, they've just had been on such a run. Is it time for them to pause, or is it too early to press the pause button? I think it's too early. But your thoughts, boy, boys. What are you thinking? Oh boy, I I mean, there's just been bad news too. Like this AI thing is kind of petering out. Not great reaction to Nvidia earnings. Um, you know, uh, Google uh, had to pop on its AI stuff, and now everyone say it's fake. So, the, like the news flow, you know, is it, it, kind of turned on it too. Like the AI is kind of wearing off. Um, so looking at the you know at the technicals. I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to say they're toast or there's any really super bearish patterns in any of these. So, um, and there wasn't all of them. Like, what about Broadcom? Like, that's mega cap tech. Look what Broadcom did yesterday. So, it's it was, not one of the seven, though. No, it's, it's not, not one that's really been driving the bust. And if you really go look at what Broadcom's done this year, and I've been talking bullish on Broadcom here for a long time, we've been six months of consolidation. I think this is a fantastic company. I wish I owned it. I probably should have been buying it when I kept talking about buying it and I never did. Um, I think it's a fantastic company. I think the valuation is reasonable, although as it continues to go up 100 points a day, valuation will become an issue for this one as well. But wow, I mean, 900 to 1037 here, basically in a heartbeat. Um, you've, got, you've got to buy good companies on pullbacks. And, you know, they had the 1,000 down to the 900. That was the pullback to be buying, and now it blasts off into all-time highs here. So fantastic company here, but a lot of the money is in the criteria? seven. ABGO is not one of the seven. What, what's your criteria? Is it is it earnings based? Is it management based? And you know, because you say that you had Wow, you know my criteria. I'm listening to this show for more than six <laughs> months. I'm a valuation guy. I don't like paying 32 times earnings for Microsoft. That isn't you know growing earnings nearly as much as it used to be, or Apple 30 times. Right. Earnings. Broadcom was 19 when we started wow. talking about it. It was 19 times earnings. So if we just you know go and look, the earnings multiple is expanding here now because the stock is continuing to go up. When we started talking about the stock, it was 850. So I'm just going wow. to my trusty Benzinga Pro here right now. ABGO, PE, Ford P is still only 21. You know, current P is 31. Yep. But I like to look at the Ford where it's going. 21. It's not crazy, Joel. Not at all. Um, Again, it was better when it was 18 and 19, but it's up, up towards 22 here now, probably after today. So I look at valuation. I look at good companies. AI story is there. So you want, you know, the potential for a story and you want a reasonable valuation. That's how I do it. That's how, I, you know, I, I structure my long-term portfolio. In some cases, you know, valuation hasn't worked. You know, some of these value traps with no AI story have been absolute, absolutely terrible. And you should have just been paying up for multiples on some of these. In other cases, it's worked well. The AMD is one that I'm paying up for, and I've obviously paid up for it, but I feel like AMD and Lisa Sue is going to be going head-to-head with NVIDIA one day. And I think that day is sooner than everybody else thinks it is. And I think the market's starting to realize it here as AMD continues to make new highs. I wouldn't chase AMD at this point in time. It's up 40% a month, but would it be on my shopping list on pullbacks? Yes, and I am long it. Yeah, and we saw that last week, and uh, AMD announced uh, news about one of its new AI chips, and and it got a couple big companies, uh, Google and and Microsoft, I believe, said they were going to be using AMD's chips opposed to NVIDIA's chips, so that uh, is is at least in part why the stock's been up like 10% in the last week, and AMD actually had a strong day yesterday uh, compared to the rest of the big tech stocks. AV Go, uh, Broadcom too. It's one of the rare tech stocks that actually pays a decent dividend. I think uh, I'm seeing right now over a 2% div yield. 
uh, for Broadcom. So probably yep. not, not yeah. why, probably not why you're buying the stock, but Hey, not, not the worst, not the worst little thing in the world. But, uh, uh, Joel, let's, let's go to Oracle real quick reported Ooh. earnings after the close yesterday and the stock got crushed and we're not really seeing buyers come in and, and buying the dip on it. Um, the numbers didn't really look terrible. Uh, a buck 34 per share adjusted versus the uh, buck 32 expected, uh, revenue came in slightly below expected 12.94 billion versus 13.05 was the estimate. So slight miss on revenue, but here's, I think the biggest thing is that Oracle's revenue from cloud services uh, uh, totaled $9.64 billion, um, but below the street consensus of yeah. $9.71 billion. So if you look at a company like Microsoft, who's had this crazy run the past 10 years, and Amazon, a lot of that is from cloud growth. So when Oracle's saying, hey, we missed on cloud numbers, I think the street's just going to you know, not love that, even again, if the top line numbers weren't terrible. I'm with the AB, and that was the sole reason here why this stock is getting hit hard. And if you look at the cloud names, a lot of them in sympathy were down last night. Now, again, you know, this market turns and they buy the dips and all those things, but all cloud was getting hit here. And this is the growth engine for Oracle. Remember, you know, you've got a lot of businesses and, you know, the database business and a lot of other stuff that happens in Oracle. It's the cloud biz the cloud businesses in Oracle that is the growth engine here. And when they that's slowing a little bit, it spooks the market. So Oracle, not a crazy valuation here, though. We've had, you know, I had Oracle in my long-term portfolio for a decade. It's trained 21 times forward earnings. It's not crazy. 20.7. It's kind of come down here that multiple today with the sell-off in the stock. I do think buyers will emerge around 100 bucks. I mean, we're 103 here and yep. now. Yep. You got $100 is a huge level on this thing. I may be one of those buyers that emerge at $100. I haven't decided yet, but I'm looking at it thinking, that's a big level. We're still in a bull market. You buy good companies on pullbacks here. Day one buying is never always advisable. It often yep. is better to wait a couple of days. In some of these cases, you wait a day, you wait until the stock stops collapsing, not trying to catch the falling knife. You get a little double bottom in place, and that's when you strike. So I'm double bottom, meaning two lows in the same uh, area, two days consecutively. That's usually what I would wait for. But 100's huge, man. Yeah, it is. And uh, this kind of goes with the mega cap tech theme, right? You know, as far as the, the rotation goes, uh, man, oh, man, Oracle now, this is going to be a messy chart now because you had this big gap from the last earnings report. And now you're going to have another big gap from this earnings report. Gosh. So, oh, man, if you're playing it at 100, I mean, I wouldn't wait till like 95 to find out I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Or for a scalp or something like that. There are multiple lows in that area uh, just pounding this thing. I mean, they pounded it yesterday, a little reprieve at 4 a.m. and sellers coming in. But Oracle is a good thick stock. And it, like Dennis said, it, it will give you a setup. Don't always have to strike on the first day. I think that's the key is like everybody wants to strike early and people were striking last night at 107, 106, like a pod <laughs> going down as people are coming in saying this is going to bounce right back. Like multiple people even saying, oh, well, wait for the conference call. They're going to take something good on the call. And it's going to be back over 115. Well, those people are now bag holders, 107 buyers, 106 buyers, 105 buyers, sometimes a couple of days. But again, we are in a bull market here right now. Don't kid yourself. We are. Again, and people keep asking me why am I bearish in 2024? I think people are going to run out of money is what I think is going to happen. But um, that's another story. Right now, short-term trading hat on, we're buying dips because bulls are in complete control here right now. But you remember in 2024, I'm getting ready to flip the script. But as of right now, 
the balls are in control. You got to be trading who's in control. I'm buying dips. Uh, Dennis, real quick, would you say that you're worried people will run out of money in 2024? Are you talking about investors buying assets? Or are you talking about people in the everyday economy, like spending money? People are going to. Yeah, be- I think the I think the spending is going to slow. I think we've seen pockets of it slowing already, but I think people and me and Money Mitch were saying this back in October, you know, and when I you know was talking about stocks potentially turning and a lot of it being priced in when we looked at the IWM being down at the October lows from the previous year, I was challenging like how much of a recession is already actually priced in. And that's come around. And obviously the recession still hasn't emerged. But I do think like higher rates have taken its toll. I mean, Canada is a completely different story up here. It's slowing down up here. So I don't know, like, and I, and I also think that you've got, you know, a lot of these banks, these regional banks, which we've talked about too, that have serious problems with the mortgages that are on their books. We've forgotten about that. You know, the March, April, we have completely, market forgets everything. Market is stupid, AB. Like, don't kid yourself. The market doesn't price in that. Not always. Yeah. Not, get it. Yeah. Well, one way, he, yep. one, one way that people will, uh, you know, have a little bit less money to spend, Dennis, is if they start losing their jobs. And there were a few people that lost their jobs this week a over lot. at Hasbro. Yeah. I shouldn't say a few, a lot, over a thousand. Uh, uh, let me get the uh, uh, details on that. Uh, while I'm doing that, Joel, give us a quick reading of the. Tape. Wow, they they pounded this thing. Uh, it's funny. Spotify cuts jobs and it's good. Hasbro cuts jobs and it's bad. It's just a fickle market. Uh, your after hours low was forty four sixty five. Holy mackerel, forty two sixty six. I'm just gonna give you that number. Don't know if we're gonna get there today, but that's your November low. This just did not participate in the recent rally. That was a nice tail there, but uh, then you're almost back to the COVID low on this one. Uh, Barbie can't be happy about this. Traded down eighteen fifty at uh, thirty three cents at eighteen fifty eight. Long term trading range, but uh, Hasbro. Not looking to add this one to my portfolio. And, and and the bears will grab this and say, look, it is slowing. This is Hasbro. So I'm not going to grab on to Hasbro and say <laughs> jobs are slowing. The kids don't play with toys anymore. Heck That's no. the biggest problem is these are not stocks you want to own long-term, Hasbro and Mattel. Kids do not play with toys like they used to. They might play with toys when they're one, two, three. But the five and six-year-olds aren't playing with toys anymore. They're playing with video games. They're playing, you know, my boy's nine. He couldn't have any interest in a toy whatsoever. I was eight or nine. I had like He-Man figures. Remember those G.I. Joes? We didn't have like the games that they have now. The games are awesome. Once they switch to gaming, and my six-year-old is doing that switch right now, um, they're not interested in toys. And this is a serious problem for the toy makers here. So this isn't just a short-term thing for Hasbro. And, oh, it'll bounce back. I mean, it's $120 stock in 2019. In four years, you've lost 60% of your money. That's a lot to do with just the technological revelation that we've had. Kids play with technology now. They have iPads. They're doing other things. They just don't buy toys like they used to. That's why being long Mattel and Hasbro has not been a good idea for a lot of years now. I mean, Mattel was, if we go even further back than Joel, maybe you can look further back on the charts. I mean, it's an $18 stock here now, but we got to go back to 2013. It was a $45 stock. So here's a stock that in the last 10 years is down basically 60%. You know what? That's the difference. It's changed. Kids aren't buying toys like they used to. Is this going to be a turnaround story? There'll be bounces. There'll be comebacks. Barbie had its day in the summer and Mattel was lifting up. But that was another selling opportunity. Buy good companies 
at reasonable valuations. Hasbro and Mattel, sorry, just their products just don't sell anymore. So I don't put these in the good companies camp anymore. I'm not interested in owning any of these stocks in my long-term portfolio. What did you buy at Disney World? Um, well, that's, that's a good point. There, the, the girl bought a toy um, okay. and a stuffy. So you saw the picture. Maybe I posted of a couple stuffies. But no, not boy didn't buy any toys. No toys. <laughs> that's all they sell there, though, is pretty much as a whole. Like they, when you got off a ride, they put you in a toy store, basically. So they're trying to appeal to the kids, and that gets them for a day. But the point I'm making here, Joel, I think is a good I agree. One. I, I agree. think the kids just don't play with toys like they used to. Yeah, and so we're seeing – so uh, Hasbro laid off around 1,100 employees was announced yesterday, and that comes after the company laid off another 800 jobs earlier this year. Uh, and again, and that's on the backdrop of what they called slowing demand. So you can kind of see the contrast there between what happened with Spotify where they said, okay, some of these big tech companies may just have a little bit of, uh, of, of uh, you know – fat they can trim essentially when I mean, we saw twitter x.com elon lay off so many people and hey the site's still working there may be problems with it but hey it's still working so i could see that where the market uh really you know sees sees those two things as, as very different um but again yeah it is kind of it seems like unfair spotify gets this huge jump uh hasbro gets crushed well also the timing of this right going into holiday season I mean, yeah. they're like, yeah. I mean, you talk about holiday hiring, right? Temporary help. Those stores must be absolute ghost towns. What about uh, just a sympathy play? I don't know what Build a Bear is doing here, but uh, that backed off when I think of Hasbro and it's uh, its own cult thing, Joel. You can't even put Build a Bear in these categories. Like I never got it at all. But again, the profit margins on these damn things we've joked about here. Yeah, the profit margin's got to be insane. I, I told you, I, I brought my girl to build a bear and she built a dolphin and it was $45. You know, it's got $5 worth of material in their tops, maybe $2. There is a little more labor in it because they're walking it through it and they got people working the store. But there's big profit margins in those things. But I put, wouldn't invest there either. Did she put the little voice thing in it? So you oh, yeah. It? The oh, little yeah. voice. So, the see, little there you go. That's, that's, worth, that's worth $45. That's worth a bucks. box. There's a little technology 40, yeah. involved in there too. Um, yeah, well, guys, 8.27 a.m. Eastern. We are three minutes away from CPI coming out. Um, let me get just give you guys a quick rundown before we get these numbers. Yeah, uh, well, we're just we're just drifting higher. We're in an area of uh, limited resistance here. Uh, the next uh, daily high, folks, mm -hmm -hmm. you got to go up. Boy, oh boy. Uh, oh, man, over 4,700 actually uh, is the, the highest number I have for today is 4,722. So that would be your September 31st high. So I'm not sure if you can go any higher than that. Uh, everyone's prepared to buy the dip here unless we just get an absolutely uh, horrible number. But um, they're not buying it, Joel. They're buying it all morning here. They're buying it ahead of it. The number is probably going to be fine. I don't know if it derails. I don't know what's going to derail the bull market here in 2024 and 2023. I think the calendar change is going to slow it down in 2024. That's what happened last year. Like, that, you know, why am I bearish in 2024? Quick 30 second ramp before the number. The main reason why I'm bearish in 2024 is the same reason why I was bullish early 2023. The the, the calendar changed. If you listen to the shows late in 2022, I was saying the same thing. Tesla's going to turn around on the calendar because you get all that tax on selling gone and then you get the turnaround. And I just didn't see it continuing like it did. 
you know, I, I, I sold everything I bought way too early. But you often see that January effect where leaders become laggards, laggards become leaders. And the overall market often, you know, does opposite to what it did the previous year. 2023 was a fantastic year. So that seasonality comes into play here too. One minute into the numbers here, I'm going to leave you. I'm going very wide on this just in case for whatever reason we get a hot number bite. Don't expect this number to to like be really hot and derail this market. All right, well, Dennis, we'll be here if you uh, want to pop back I, in. I will in be a few back minutes. with you in right. probably a couple of minutes. All right, so uh, Joel, the uh, estimates are for CPI to continue to drop. The expect the street expectation is three point one percent. That is verse uh, last month's or October's w- would have been three point two percent. So again, Joel, the expectation is for CPI to continue to inch lower. If it comes in line with those expectations, I think we could see a little bit of a rally. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually I did find a daily high at forty six ninety point seven five from August seven. Uh, no algo jumpers here because we are coming right out. Someone probably has an extra fast terminal. They probably already have it by now. But uh, trading at the highs of the pre market session, a few ticks up here, just a little bit. Wow, what a tame number here forty six eighty nine fifty. It must be pre- up oh, there. We go. Yep, the little pop, little drop might be a little hot. Is Let's it a little see. hot? Little Let's hot? See. What do you got for me, AB? Coming out. Give me 30 seconds. Okay. It's all doggo jumpers did get in there. They did get in there. 40. Oh, there we go. 46.95. Light. Light. <laughs> I don't know. In line. Come on. Give me that number there. It's coming out. Breaking news. Uh, hold CPI. On. Hold on, um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, Dennis. Uh, okay, so headline CPI rises 0.1%. Core CPI rises 0.3%. Analysts had expected a 0.0 sequential headline reading and a rise of 0.3% at the core rate. So it looks like it did come in a little bit higher than expected. Let's see. Um, uh, I'm going to continue to get more of those numbers, Dennis. Let me okay. know what's going on in the markets right now. How the All right. How the reaction got, is yeah, spokes, uh, spikes both ways in the market, down, then up. You didn't make a new low on the session, and then you popped to 46.95.50. So, I don't know, Goldilocks market here as far as, you know, looking at the numbers. But uh, right now, it still looks like the bulls are in firm control here. Just made a new high on the session at 46.96. So the dip was bought. I think maybe that came out actually before the number. Did we get to unchanged yeah. here? So uh, this spike. Give me some more details. Okay. Yeah. So so the uh you the for November 3.1 percent versus 3.1 estimate. So that came in line again lower than the 3.2 percent from the month before. Um, but the CPI month over month for November went up 0.1 percent versus 0.0 percent. Uh, expected so sl- so the uh, the month over month went up a little bit higher uh, than expected, yeah. but that could actually be a sign that hey, look, the economy is heating up, people are spending money ahead of the holidays. So, as long as the inflation doesn't show that it's going crazy back out exactly. of control, maybe the market can actually like the fact that there was a tiny bit of inflation compared to, of course, if you have deflation, could be some demand problems, etc. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, I don't, I mean, if the if the number came in slightly lower like at like 2.9 or 3 percent i i bet the market would still be rallying but the fact that it yeah. came in in line and was even a little bit maybe hot in some areas and it's still rallying i think just shows you 
uh, that people are, are bullish right now. Yeah, they don't they don't care. Yep. Yeah. Uh, really uh, now trading up 15 and a half handles the pre-market uh, pre-market traders had it right uh, as far as, you know, bidding the market up ahead of it. Uh, let's just look. Uh, the Magnificent Seven is participating a little bit. Apple's flat on the session, uh, but Microsoft is catching a little bit off this. Let me uh, get off the one-minute chart here. Uh, I, don't so know, I don't know if this holds, though, Joel. The fact that it's not really that – it doesn't seem that uh, – there's not a lot of conviction, it doesn't seem like, but behind the buying. Uh, no? Right well, why, why do you say that? Well, I just in the past, in the past few months, when we've had these big CPI beats, we've seen the market, you know, absolutely rip on the news, go up like, you know, over a percent pre-market trading right now. And it seems like the, uh, the, the pop is a little bit tamed this time. Again, maybe it's just because the expectation was already in line for inflation to fall. So in the past uh, that we've gotten some of the really good CPI reports in the past few months, they've been surprising, whereas this one might not be as surprising. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we've had these ramps up before and, uh, you know, sometimes what the one thing, the main thing that I like to, to look for on like on a day like this, uh, now you've backed off from the pre-market high, right? 46.96 and a quarter. Is that going to, that, that's a nut. Now, now we're 10 handles from that. So it, to me, if, it, if they can't get back and take out that pre-market high now, well, I think you have to establish level. Pretty much what I'm saying, as of right now, high of the day could be in here. And you can always lean on those pre-market levels as uh, potential resistance points. Uh, coming back down, well, we've had about a 20-point range. So I think uh, right here, we're about mid-range on the session at 46. The TLT lie detector test. Keep an eye <laughs> on it. We just lost 60 cents. So AB is right, man. I was selling into that rally because the TLT started going down. You've got to use these indicators here as a day trader. You've got to know what's driving the bus on any CPI thing. It's going to be TLT driving the bus. TLT just lost 60 cents. Still trading green, but this market is leaking here, and it's noticing the TLT, and I'm noticing it too. It was a, it was a little bit of a hot number. I mean, It wasn't a great know. number, no. Oh, for no. sure it wasn't great. But – this market just like, oh, blindly buy the dip. It dipped, and then they're like coming in and buying. But now they're kind of looking at this TLT saying, eh, hold on just for a minute here. Oh, Nelly. Yeah, now we're, we're really starting. Just for a minute yeah. here. So we're going to bring T3 in here in a second, though, and they're going to give us obvious your thoughts. J.R. Look out below, Triple D. Watch those bids, man. Watch those bids. TLT lie detector test. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, again, the number came in a little bit hotter than expected market at first popped a little bit, but is now kind of selling off. We do have a guest lined leak, up. leak, leak. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and bring on our guest of the day. J.R. Romero from T3, uh, get his thoughts on the CPI data and what the market is going to be doing as a reaction without further ado, let's bring on J.R. Romero. Hey, how, how you doing? Yeah, you picked a, a good monitor, plenty of trading action. How you doing today? Well, Joel, when it rains, it pours, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, this is your, your first time on the show. So could you just, uh, I know you're on the virtual trading floor back there. Could uh, mm -hmm. give us a little bit more of your background? Sure. Well, first, Joel, I want to say I'm a big fan of the show. Can I say long-time listener, first-time caller? Is that okay? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> we like that. We like that. You guys do a great job. Thank you for being you. 
You can just run a, a tight ship over there at Benzinga. So, JR, what are you seeing here? I, I was looking at the TLT action, and it started to leak a little bit on the report, which gave me a little bit of a sell signal here. But again, the bulls are just in so much control here, and you think any dips probably get bought, even though the CPI comes in, it's 0.1% above expected. X food and energy came in line. What are your thoughts here? I mean, this is a tricky market to navigate here when the bulls are in complete control like this. What, what are you looking at? You know, they used to say it's the economy, stupid. I would say it's the inflation, stupid. And uh, that's that's the story that keeps on dominating this market. If you're, as you said in the right before I came in, if you're not watching the rates, if you're not watching the dollar, if you're not watching the TLT, you're probably doing it wrong. Uh, this market is extremely adept at trapping traders, at uh, provoking as much FOMO and confusion as possible through violent rotation and head fakes. And you really have to watch the market internals understand market structure, supply demand zones, and really uh, think outside the box. Uh, this is a contrarian market that really uh, pays uh, people who think outside the box, people who understand um, demand zones, and uh, really punishes people who chase it. So at, uh, at T3 here, we really work on thinking outside the box, thinking analytically, and making sure we're in the right moves for the right reasons. Talk about your trading style. Are you one of those that come in and like hedge trades? Um, or are you one of those that kind of do directional bets? Talk about your tr trading style, Jr. Sure. So I was I, I was uh, I was trained as a bit of a luddite. Uh, so I, I come from the Wyckoff school, and we really focus on the price cycle, uh, market structure, supply demand, and uh, I try to keep it as simple as possible within that. And uh, it's really paid off in this market. Uh, given the fact that we have these uh, violent rotations and head fakes, uh, we have uh, you know an IWM that has really not played along with a massive rally we've had in in the Nasdaq since uh, since January of this year. Uh, you know, have you gotten paid if you've been long the IWM for the past couple of years? Uh, unless you've been extremely agile, the answer is probably not. No. Right, so we, we see wide divergences in the market, and it's a new thing. And, and traders who fail to adapt to the personality of this market have really paid the price. So we, we focus on uh, finding momentum uh, when it's there. And when it's not, uh, we're really adept at trading the ranges. And there's been a lot of range-bound trading in this market. So my methodology of trading... Uh, is really adaptive, right? We, we worry about the price cycle, about market structure, about finding uh, areas of potential demand, areas of overhead supply. And when, when we have a market that's going to be, you know, range bound indefinitely, we really focus on adapting our trading style to capturing those moves as adeptly as possible while managing risk as best we can. So, JR, what when you're, you know, looking at the markets and, and different stocks, what are your favorite indicators? I mean, how do you determine, okay, this is, this is going to be a good a good buy here, or this is going to be a good sell, or I'm just going to go hands off and not touch this one? Yeah, I'm going to give you the least sexy possible answer. All right. That's price. Price. <laughs> <laughs> uh, price and volume are the only indicators that really matter to me. Now, you know. Really? Uh I think so. I, I use moving averages. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the anchor VWAP. 
but ultimately, uh, you know, I'm a Jewish guy from Brooklyn, so I like to haggle over price. And, I, and ultimately, uh, the market is a giant auction. And, uh, you know, I like to get a good deal. I really like shakeouts uh, into demand zones. You know, you, you get, let me ask you a question. How many successful shorts do you know in this market that, you know, con continually short this market and do well in it? Not a lot. In the uh, long run, it's always hard to bet against the market because it just drifts higher. So it's always, you know, in that long run, you're betting on short side. I mean, you have some awesome markets for the shorts. 2008 was a very good market. Obviously, the um, back to 2001 was a very good market. But it seems to come around like every nine to 10 years where you get like this year or two where the shorts are dominant. And then it's like seven mm -hmm. or eight years where the bulls are back in control, too. So it, it's exactly. short the market to your point, JR. Yeah. So we, we you know, in, in range bound markets, we've really focused on, on on playing those those shakeout patterns, you know, those piercing engulfing patterns on the on the hourly chart. That seem to trap all those shorts, and that gives you a chance to find momentum in a range-bound market. Right, you're trading that traditional phase B of the price cycle where things are going sideways, but you get this violent shakeout, and then you're actually able to capture some momentum in an otherwise rangy kind of market. You catch, you know, 10, 20 points in the S&Ps for the day. You're paying some bills. Yeah, I mean, just to going back to the shorts. I mean, like. Jim Chanos and Michael Burry come to mind, but even those guys, you know, got did real well at one point. And then I know, you know, I think both of them, you know, were short in Tesla, whatever got killed on them. So it's like, you know, a lot of the shorts do well in one moment, one year, and then they, they try to keep that going for the next five years and it doesn't do as well. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about the thing about the people who try to short uh, strong markets is, you know, they're wrong every time, except for the last time. Whereas uh, people who trade the trend, trade momentum, are usually right every time except for the last time, right? So uh, I, I, I like that approach better. Let's talk about quad witch expirations. You've been around uh, the street for a while. Do you, mm -hmm. uh, any particular uh, strategies that you employ or patterns that you've observed going into uh, the quad witch besides uh, you know the ads and the spider going ex dividend. Any any uh, uh, tips of the trade you'd like to offer up regarding quad witch expiration? Sure. Uh, trade very very carefully. Is <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm um, I'm a big fan of watching the tape. I'm a tape reader, um, and uh, you know there 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 are, there are moments during the quad witch where i think it's incredibly difficult to make money and i don't like to put myself in situations where uh you know i'm trading volatility that's just unmanageable so i'm just really careful on those days again not a particularly sexy answer but we're here to uh pay, pay bills. the bills right what uh what are you going to be looking at today do you have any uh do you, are you the kind of person that guys likes to migrate to the newsy stocks or do you are you the kind of person to have four five six stocks that you like to pick on every day what uh what do you obviously we have our catalyst today but um any specific mm -hmm. stocks or setups you're looking at as the s p's are going flat here on the session folks so high of the day is in folks we just got to figure out where the pops are going to be sorry about that jr go ahead no problem. I, I like uh, you're you're like uh, you're like the Peter Jennings of day trading, uh, Joel. Big fan. Real screen presence. <laughs> Just Thank reporting you. the price action. Just yeah, exactly. Love it. Uh, 
so I'm sorry. What was the question again? (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, Just, um, you know, for today, uh, any particular setups? And I was asking you whether you like to pick on the same stocks every day or you like to see the news flow and go to the newsy stocks. Uh, Well, uh, we do like to play momentum when it's there. But for me, the really the most important thing is is to understand um, the relationships. There's a tremendous amount of um, uh, inefficiency in this market. And, you know, it's it's unbelievable, right? People tell you markets are super efficient. Uh, To me, it seems like for the past few years, it's been the opposite. So uh, when we're playing news flow and we're, we're playing sentiment, we really like to, to to pick on those inefficiencies. For example, I don't know if you guys saw Lyft yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. It had a beautiful inside bar breakout on the weekly, right? And we've just been uh, trading Uber very aggressively. And on the S&P news, uh, you know, uh, in the pre-market yesterday, I said, guys, we're going to hit Lyft hard. Uh, this is a, a beautiful comp play to Uber, and I think it's ready to go. I think it's going to... Uh, be a sympathy play with Uber. And so that's the typical kind of play. You know, we just uh, hold the breakout all day and, and play it for the whole sequence for the next uh, for the next couple of weeks, right? So when we're playing news, when we're playing sympathy, these are the types of plays we like to go after. Now, another thing I've noticed is cybersecurity names have been really, really strong. Your crowd strikes, your Palo Alto's, your Z scaler, so we've been playing those very aggressively, and I've been staying away from um, from the was what, what are we calling them now? The fabulous seven, the notorious seven. I, I, I can't keep track of these. Uh, yeah, magnificent seven. Yeah, it used to be the Fangmans, then the Fangmantees. <laughs> whatever we're calling them th- these days, uh, I'm staying away uh, for now. Uh, Tesla looks like it's ready to break out of a consolidation here through 253. So we've been watching that. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, really, I've been more partial to AMD over NVIDIA. Uh, I think a tremendous amount of upside in AMD. Uh, I don't know if you guys were watching AMAT and AVGO yesterday. Holy cow, what a move. Uh, you we we, we touched on Broadcom uh, earlier. Just yeah, an insane move there. Uh, JR, I mean, it, it, it's been kind of the, the same story this year in the bull market as it's been really the past 15 that tech's been leading the way. Going into 2024, do you think that continues? Do you have other sectors you like more than tech? Uh, if you had to you know, choose one to stay away from or to short, what sector would you not like in 2024? You know... <laughs> uh, the smartest people on the on the planet, you know, your Kalanovics, your Mike Wilsons, have all gotten uh, egg in the face repeatedly, and those guys are way smarter than I am. Uh, I am terrible at the predictions business. I'm pretty good at the day trading business. So uh, we'll see when 2024 20, comes around. I'm, I think we're going to get a lot of chop next year just based on seasonality, but I'm really uh, very skeptical of making any kind of uh, – any kind of statement. I'm not going to point to the bleachers on this one. I, I love that, JR. Yeah, and I do what too. you just said is like how I live, you know, like I'm try to predict because it's fun to try to predict. But like I've said, mm-hmm. my money that I make in day trading for 23 years, I've been a professional day trader. 
is not from predicting the market. It's from taking advantage of little pricing inefficiencies. Like TLT, we had a pricing inefficiency 15 yep. minutes here ago. TLT went straight down on that number and the S&Ps started rallying up and look what was happening. Exactly. The TLT leader has once again given the savvy day trader an edge. So, I mean, that's what Absolutely. it's all about is those edges, JR. As a trader, it's not about prediction and people think they have to predict the market as a day trader and i mm -hmm. love that you just said that you're not in the prediction business even though you're in the day trading business so uh bravo for that comment and um just tell us you know before we let you go here just um we won't make you predict anything more here <laughs> uh but you know tell us how you're approaching this day like what do you do now you got the tlt has come in a little bit s p's have chopped all around here how do you start your trading day you know after you get a cpi number like this Sure. What what I work on is it, I, I'm a big fan of market structure and identifying areas of key supply and demand. So for my room, we basically go through the levels on the day and then we watch key sectors that are showing relative strength and weakness. And based on whether uh, key levels hold or not and the, the speed of the trades, the speed of the tape uh, will make certain game plans active. And we're big, big fans of game planning on the day. We have a game plan for each day. And uh, once a certain scenario triggers, then we'll work very hard to fulfill that plan. How did a Jewish guy from Brooklyn end up in Idaho? I, I like the clean living. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we moved here, we tripled the size of the Jewish population, Joe. <laughs> Made, okay. made it made Aliyah to Idaho. <laughs> um, all right. Well, JR that might be above a little bit of our audience's head here. Oh, okay, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Joel liked it, which is all that matters. I did. Well, okay. uh, JR, thanks for hopping on Ben Singa's pre-market prep today. It was great to get you on. Uh, and and, and uh, you know, love learning more about how you trade the markets. Just one more thing, guys. We're gonna be doing a open house this whole week, t3live.com. If anybody wants to check it out, they can go to the t3life.com page. Uh, there's an access pass right there. We have a all day long, we're doing footprint charts and tape reading for people who are interested in learning about that. Nice. We're going to be doing uh, real time order flow analysis of the market all day. Well, all right? there you go. We'll make sure the link is in the chat for people to check that out, JR. Again, check thank it you. out. Take care, guys. Love the show. All, All right, right, guys, that was J.R. Romero from T3. Again, link will be in the chat if you want to go check out that free So file. many good traders over at T3. Like, great firm. And obviously, you know, we, we, me and Joel visited multiple times the offices down there. So we know a lot of these. And we've known Scott for a long time. Scott Redler, obviously. Just fantastic firm. I thought you were going to say there are so many great traders in Iowa, and I was going to be like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Idaho. <laughs> There's great traders I, I, Idaho, all over sorry, the place. I, Idaho, sorry. Idaho, Idaho. Idaho. Idaho, not Idaho. Yeah, sorry. yeah, baked potatoes. Is that the potato state? Yes, it is. That's it is. Iowa's, yeah, Iowa's, I know my U.S. geography, too, even though I'm Canadian. That's the potato state. Iowa's more corn, I think. Uh, but um, That's it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Iowa. Um, all right, well, let's get into some ratings. We had some ones yesterday. Airbnb trading lower on a downgrade, Joel. Can we get the chart up real quick for B&B? Uh, Dennis, did you get an Airbnb when you were on vacation, or were you guys in a hotel? No. Um, well, I actually, my father-in-law's got to play St. Pete, so we stayed with him for a bit, and then I did the whole Disney resort. So four days at Coronado Resort. 
paid you know 350 bucks a night but you know what you're right there on the resort water slides and all that so it was fun so we do airbnbs every once in a while though my wife likes the airbnbs they see something different do you get a deal at disney when you do the when you stay on on site there you do a little not not much ab they get you and they nickel and dime you to death too i mean water bottles are five dollars and ten cents out of the water machine so i mean out of the pot machine so they nickel and dime you to five ten yeah, because it's got tax on it. So it's like, I don't know if they throw oh, you a wow. little bit of extra tax on there. It was $5.10 was what I was getting. Maybe it was a credit card fee because you just put your. The funny thing is, I throw cash in there. It spits the cash back out of me. It doesn't want cash. And I have to take the credit card out and put the credit card on the thing and just tell me $5.10 for my bottle of water. It's like, holy crap. That's expensive uh, water right there. It was good. Uh, real quick, technicals, Airbnb uh, trading uh, just off the lows of the pre-market session. Looks like we still have some sellers in here. Uh, your two-day low, 137.80. That's a target on the downside here. Uh, but your better support uh, with uh, two lows in the same area, that comes in at the 135 handle. Uh, let's call it 135. 35. I kind of like that number. We uh, just came down, Dennis, and uh, uh, ticked the low of the session. Someone trying to defend that pre-market low yeah. at 46.75, but it's there she goes. She'll be going soon here. Uh, see if you lose that bid on the low of the day. Yeah, Again, the down just if you're looking today, keep the eye on the TLT. It was the tell here. will continue to be the tell. We're going to chop around here, but TLT is showing no signs of rallying here yet. And a downgrade came from Barclays. Uh, the analyst lowered the price target from 135 to 100 on Airbnb. So that's a, oh. uh, that's a significant downgrade, especially because a lot of these analysts that, that cover these stocks, I feel like are typically, you know, they, they kind of get cozy with the company sometimes. And they, and they, oh, they, yeah. usually have, they usually have rosier outlooks than most people. Um, but yeah, so, that, so the downgrade was pretty significant from Barclays. Um, and then, Joel, we also had some news in booking. Can we get that chart pulled up? All right. Yes. Uh, I believe it's a price target raise over there. Man, tough stock here. I don't know what you do here at uh, all time high. I all time just, highs. You don't yeah. short stocks at all time highs. That's one rule. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, is uh, no one's really making a move off this one. So I'll just say that all time high from yesterday, uh, 338530, if you're looking for a target. Uh, but, uh, so far, no one making a move yet here. SP's continuing leak. We are no, now leaky, red. Leaky. Yeah, now we're now we're, now I'm one hundred percent convinced the high of the day is in here as uh, <laughs> as we start to pull away now in the red here. The, Give it, some uh, props to AB. I mean, when I was I gone, he called this. He's like, it feels like it's going to leak here. Aaron, you may have a career as a day trader here I, right now. You'll be up a cool 15 handles on your – I heard you call that. I heard him call that out. Give him some props, chat. He called that out, man. Well, look, I mean, here's the thing is when I think when the expectation, again, had been shifted to that inflation is going to keep falling, and then you get the numbers in. And the, and, and the, it wasn't that good. It wasn't, and it wasn't that good, and the reaction oh. wasn't – and the reaction wasn't that – I mean, comparatively, right? We had other times, again, where the, you know, the, the markets were going up like full percent you know, pre-market on, on good inflation news. So to see it just kind of edge higher and like – I got to think about that. There are people out there trying to play calls and they're hoping for this market to open up a lot. And then when it doesn't, they're covered, you know, all this stuff. So to see it not have a lot of conviction right off the number to me, it was just a sign that, Hey, look, this, this one might not be the same pop that we've got in the past few months on CPI reports. It's a good call. 
Yep, we've had a, one heck of a run into it, right? So a little bit, uh, a little bit of a selling in the strength here. But what are we looking at here on the downside? The interday low from yesterday still weighs away here, forty six fifty three. The Globex low was right there too at forty six fifty two. So as as much as uh, we've declined, we're still quite a ways uh, from that low in yesterday's session. Yep. Uh, and yesterday, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, do we hit new uh, year 52 week highs on the S&P? Or no, you said you found a higher one back in August, but we're just, yes. we're, we're, we're right up there. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, after, you know, besides this price action this morning, but I mean, we're at near, near 52 week highs on the spy. Like what, 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 what's, what's, what's going to be the first thing that breaks? Is it inflation picking back up? Is that what we're seeing today? Uh, well, we got that. We got that indication today. Uh, we get the PPI tomorrow. Usually the CPI is uh, dominant, but I just want to go back to what Jerome Powell has been saying and what he's been saying. Very consistent. The market doesn't want to listen to it. The Fed futures don't want to listen to it. No one in CNBC wants to listen to it, no. but he's saying He's given no indication of a pivot. He's given no indication. Why should he? Common sense says, why would he pivot until the economy is teetering? You're seeing jobs still, inflation ticks up 0.1. I mean, why pivot? He has no reason to pivot. All these people who are calling for a pivot in early 2024 may get it. But the only way you're going to get it is if the economy starts to teeter or fall off a cliff. He is not going to cut rates. Listen to this, folks. If you listen to anything on the show, listen to this next 20 seconds. Jerome Powell will not cut rates until the economy starts to weaken. That is when he's going to cut rates. He's not cutting rates out of the blue just for fun. He's going to restart all the problems here. So, I mean, you're not going to have your cake and eat it, too. We're not going to be in this raging bull market and get rate cuts. If the bull market continues, the rates remain high. That's just the, the, the that's just the path that it's going to happen. There's not a lot of obvious calls, but Captain Obvious says this one. He is not cutting rates until the economy starts to teeter. And Hallelujah. 2024, Hallelujah. it does start to teeter. I think we're going to see that come February, March. Like you're you're going to start to see January the spending goes down. It always does seasonally. But it may not just everybody's like, oh, it's just January, so it'll bounce back, you know. Like I think it's gonna slow down. And I think that eventually we'll get some rate cuts in later 2024. But he's not coming out tomorrow and saying, Yeah, we're cutting rates. There's no way he's saying that. I know, I know. I I'd look at like to look at the Fed fund futures, but it, it's more, you know, it's more of the uh their perception. But uh uh big day tomorrow, right? We got uh, the PPI, big day, big day. we got the second day of the Fed meeting. And Dennis, who would be the best possible person to come on tomorrow and talk about the inflation data? You're if my you boy, don't get Blue. this right, you're, you're, you're my fired. boy, Blue. My you're boy, my Blue. Boy. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yep, he'll be our guest tomorrow. I'll be talking about all this price action with uh, Christian Fromherz on the closing print. AB, what? You got some uh, closing thoughts for today? No, last thing I just saw across my desk that caught my eye was a uh, uh, upgrade on Crocs from Bank of America. So I guess, I mean, that just goes to show you if you make shoes out of rubber and you take out a bunch of holes out of them so you're not using too much material, <laughs> good business model. Th- then, yeah, you're, then your margins are probably going to be pretty damn good. So 
uh, I never thought of that. This AB brings so much to. I never thought about the plastic <laughs> costs. There's so much less for Crocs because oh, yeah. it's half a shoe. And you're really the, just buying half a shoe because they got all those holes in there. And it's all the wow. same. It's all the same material. It's not like a Nike shoe has the athletic material and yeah. the rubber on the bottom yeah. and all this stuff. It's just a mole. You know, it's like a, you know. But anyway, uh, that's that this AB. Last. He's not just a pretty pretty face, folks. We need one. We need one on this show. I've had a lot of fun hanging out with you guys the past couple of days. So thank you to everyone in the audience that's hung out with us. I know, you know, used to Mitch being on here, running the show and running a tight ship. So I'm kind of learning some of the ropes. So again, appreciate everyone who's, who's stuck with me. Uh, and thank you, Dennis and Joel for, uh, for letting me hang out. A lot okay. of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks, AB. Of All right. Stay everyone tuned, have Mitch. a, have a great day. Go get them.